But here we are in this series um, called Measures, and, and, and today we talk about the mission measure, free. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, free. I know, I know, it's gripping already. Um, let me ask you a question. Are you free? Are you free? Well, to think about that, we must ask another question. What does it mean to be free? Some might say that you are truly free when you can do whatever you want. There's no rules, no restrictions, no boundaries, and no one can tell you that there are. To those who hold this view of freedom, it's their life's goal uh, to, to, to live in such a way that there are no boundaries. And for you, if, for instance, if you think that boundaries are a reasonable thing, to tell them that there are boundaries or rules that everybody should live by, then it's very offensive to them, which actually doesn't make sense. It's because they're telling you you can't do something that they're saying they can do, which is whatever you want, to tell them that you should have rules. I've heard it said in regard to freedom. There are two types of freedoms. The false, where a man is free to do what he likes, and the true, where a man is free to do what he ought. Well, you know, it's interesting. Jesus had some things to say about freedom. And so we ought to listen carefully to his words in regard to freedom. John chapter 8 is where we are. John chapter 8, verse 31. If you want to turn there. Jesus had a lot to say about freedom. One of the reasons that we measure success by this, this notion of freedom is because we believe that the very... One of the reasons that Jesus came is to provide freedom, to offer freedom to those that would follow him. Matt read the scripture earlier, John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. But just a couple of uh, reminders here as, in terms of what he said. Verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, this group of people that Jesus is writing to in John chapter 8, they're Jewish people. They're in the family of Abraham. They believed that they were essentially free because they were a part of God's chosen people. They believed in Jesus, it says, as a Messiah, Messianic kind of a figure. But they did not understand that their freedom could only be found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. They thought they were free because they were Jewish. But see, what they misunderstood was that when Jesus said that they were free, it wasn't that he was telling them that they're free from the sovereign rule of the nation, of the Romans. But instead he's saying that in Christ or in me, you're free from sin. They didn't understand that the kind of freedom that Jesus came to offer was the freedom from sin and the eternal consequences of sin. They had the opportunity to be freed from something far more powerful than earthly rulers or earthly inconvenience. What Jesus knew is that sin is a cruel master. And apart from being in relationship with him, you're enslaved to it. When Jesus spoke these words, they truly were remarkable. They could 
breathe spiritual life into a group of people who hoped to enjoy the freedom of being in relationship with God, but they needed to understand what it really meant. Sure, they were God's unique chosen people as Israel, but what Jesus offered was something far greater than that. It's hard to believe, really, that Jesus gives freedom. There's a lot of mystery to the gospel. Yesterday I was uh, with a man, and we have been developing a relationship for a couple of years, just in short conversations. And uh, we were um, together. I went camping with my son and, and a group of uh, Cub Scouts. And he's the dad of one of the other boys. And we happened to be alone across from a picnic table. We were waiting for our sons to come back from horseback riding. And, and we began to talk about Jesus. And it was a really incredible conversation to me because I began sharing with him the gospel. And he said to me this. He said, I hear what you're saying, but I don't understand. And it just stuck out to me what he was, what he was saying. He's like, I hear what you're saying, but I do not understand. It doesn't make sense to me. And this guy's brilliant. I mean, he's made a lot of money being a lawyer. Very sharp. You see, this message that Jesus gives freedom is hard to understand. It can be difficult to conceive. The people that Jesus wrote to here are um, wanting freedom from earthly stress and, and rules. But Jesus came to offer the freedom from sin. In verse 36, just a, a few verses down from what I've read, Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, for those of you that are in here, that you've never turned in faith to Jesus as Lord of your life, I want you to know that you're enslaved to sin. The consequences for your sin will be eternal separation from God when you die. But the good news of the gospel that we find in the Bible is that for those that turn to Jesus in faith, as a payment for their sin, can have their sins forgiven and enter into this new life of freedom in Christ. This is the gospel. When Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed, it paid a, it, it, it paid a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice for your sin. If Jesus' blood does not cover your sin or erase your sin, then someday you will have to suffer the consequences for your sin when you stand before a holy God. You might feel like, whoa, this is heavy. And it is. Until you understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. And in this life, you get to experience the freedom of being in Christ. Do you believe? Many in here have and are now practicing this faith of belief. One of the remarkable things that we get to do in just a few weeks is we're going to have another baptism service. And a baptism is an opportunity for someone to kind of let everybody know that they believe. They're symbolically immersed in water, then raised up out of the water, representing the death and the burial of Jesus and, and the resurrection. Are you free? Let me transition here. You see, even whenever you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and become someone who is counted as free. There are things in our lives that lure us towards enslavement, lure us towards bondage. 
we as a church in the early days were trying to decide how are we going to measure success? How are we going to know when we're successful at accomplishing the mission that God has given us? If, if we don't know what we're trying to do, we'll never know whether or not we've gotten there, right? And so we came up with this group of six words. And it wasn't just me and Andrew. It was a group of us that were a part of the launch team in the early days. We came up with these six words. And these words kind of capture what we feel like is the essence of the marks of a disciple. Someone who is truly a follower of Jesus Christ. And so the way that we use these words is, is, is we use them as a metric or as a measurement to help us know whether or not someone is growing. So there's six words. Freedom, love, Passionate, generous, connected, learning, that's it, six of them. So freedom, passionate, learning, connected, free, and generous. See, I try to memorize them, not in the right order, but I try to memorize them all. Um, these six words capture what we think are true marks of a disciple. And this first one, free, we start at it in the, very intentionally because we believe that if you're not experiencing the freedom in Christ, you're not really experiencing the life that God has for you. But once you enter into this relationship with God, uh, certainly we still have to ask the question, are you free? See, with your freedom, you get invited to the story of God working in the world. Your life will never be boring again. You get to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And the Bible, the reason we use it is it's a lens through which we get to look at the story that God is writing with our lives. As I think about the people that are part of this church and whether or not we're truly making an impact, one of the primary things I would do is, is ask you this question. Are you free? Are you experiencing the freedom of being in Christ? This is more than a religious decision. You see, even genuine believers can experience something other than freedom. There's two things that, as a believer or follower of Jesus Christ, that can prevent you from the freedom that Christ provides. The first one is legalism. And the second one is ongoing sin. Look here in Galatians chapter 5. Turn to the right. Galatians chapter 5. These words found in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 have truly transformed my own life. And I read them several years ago. It really opened up sort of my understanding of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says this, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now think back to John chapter 8, where Jesus is saying to them that if they want freedom, it's not ultimately found in whether or not they're Jewish. It's found in Him. And here we see Paul telling the Galatians that Christ has set them free. And, and there's a little bit of a situation going on in Galatia, and, and so Paul writes to it. There are some that are being tempted to, to enslavement in their thinking. There are false teachers in and around the Jewish Christians, or the, the Galatian Christians, that are telling them that they need something in addition to Jesus Christ to be free. And the something in this situation is circumcision. You see, in, in this time period, the Jews would be circumcised to identify themselves as Jews. And so what these, these false teachers were saying is that for anybody to come to Christ, they had to be circumcised first. It was a, it was a legalistic 
um, rule imposed on these people. And so Paul tells them, hey, Christ has set you free from legalism, from rules or works-oriented salvation. You don't have to do something to earn your salvation, nor do you have to do something to keep it. Now this is really going to make some of you nervous because the idea that we're free to enjoy God without having to fear that we will someday lose our status as a child of God, that makes you a little nervous because what you might say, and I've heard it said, well, if people realize that the Bible teaches that in Christ you're a child of God, and once you're a child of God, you're always a child of God, then they might do whatever they want. Well, I would say to you that if you're truly a child of God, you won't do whatever you want. You'll want to do what God wants you to do. Paul is, is uh, concerned here because these, these Christians are being taught that you need something in addition to Christ to be free. I wonder if any of you believers ever feel like your status as a child of God requires you to do certain things to keep it. I wonder if I were to ask you, well, how are you doing spiritually? You might say, well, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, I haven't read my Bible. I haven't been praying. I haven't been attending church. And what's in the back of your mind is you saying, I don't even know if God still loves me. Or God probably doesn't still count me as a child because I haven't been doing these religious things. What I want you to know, and where I think there's freedom found in the gospel is that you did not do anything to earn your salvation, nor do you have to do anything to keep your salvation if you are truly in Jesus Christ. Now, this doesn't mean you, you shouldn't do religious things. This doesn't mean you shouldn't read your Bible or pray. But I, I want you to know that there's freedom in Christ. There isn't this list of rules you have to keep, and if you don't keep them, then all of a sudden God looks down and says, well, you're no longer my child. My children, no matter what they do, they'll always be my children. Always. And most of the time, I'm really happy for that, you know? Uh, you know, the reason that we think like this in our relationship with God, that we have to do with the perform to keep our status as a child of God, is because this is the way our world operates, right? Most of you have jobs, and in your job, you have a status as employee, if you perform at your job, you'll keep that status. If you don't, you won't, right? You have to perform at a certain level, unless your company is terrible and isn't concerned with results. Uh, even as a parent, um, you must perform at a certain status. If you want to keep the, 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 I mean, your children will always be your children, but if you want to continue having your children in your home, you have to perform at a certain level of safety and love and all that kind of stuff. As a friend, you have to perform as a friend, right? To keep the status as friend. You really do. Even your best friend. If he never returns your phone calls uh, and, and doesn't listen to you and is cruel to you and, 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 and rejects you, then at some point you've got to think, well, you know, we're probably not friends. In our world, our world operates by performance and results. I want you to know that in Christ, the performance was done by Jesus on the cross. 
And the result is, for those that place their faith in Jesus, they have a new status. Not because of your performance, but because of the performance of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. If you could earn your way to God, or keep a list of rules to retain your relationship with God, then Jesus would never have come, because that's the story of the Old Testament. That's what a group of people tried to do. They couldn't do it. They couldn't continue to perform, 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 to be counted as righteous before God. So God became flesh in the form of a man named Jesus, so that you would not have to be perfect. There's freedom there, I think. There's real freedom there to know that in Christ, you are a child of God. Now, this is an especially important message for those of you that come out of a religious background that's based on rules. Um, maybe the reason that you were baptized when you were a child is because... Um, your parents wanted you to be baptized because if you weren't baptized, then you couldn't receive God's grace. Maybe the reason you took that, that first communion is because, I mean, you didn't understand it, maybe. Maybe you didn't have faith in Jesus Christ, but you did it because it was another rule you had to do. Maybe the reason that you attended those classes as a child it wasn't because you necessarily had your heart stirred to the Lord, but because it was a part of the list of rules. And if you did all those rules, didn't matter particularly for you as a child whether or not you understood it or whether or not your heart was stirred but if you kept those list of rules then you might get into heaven when you die let me tell you what the bible says about who jesus is the bible says that in christ there is freedom it's not about a list of rules you say well, what do i do what do i do if i'm i'm drawn i lean towards this works oriented understanding of my relationship with God. Here's what Paul told the Galatians to do. Stand firm. It's an imperative in the verbal tense. Stand like a command. Stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't do it. Don't live like you have to do something to prove yourself to God. Don't do it. There's freedom. I mentioned that I went camping with my son and, uh, as a part of Cub Scouts. And, uh, and, and it's a, one of my favorite things about it is, is, are these campouts. It's really the reason I do it, actually. And it's kind of an organized campout with, with some basic rules, but there's so much freedom. And, and I'm telling you, we get there. Kobe and I went. He's seven years old. And, and I think there's so much about being a seven-year-old boy that's kind of just, just our system that we're in and, and, and the school. they got to go in and they got to sit down most of the day and the class is there's not a lot of freedom to just be a boy, you know, and recess is 10 minutes or something like that. And if I were in charge, I would probably have four recesses a day, you know, and uh, just let them go nuts all, you know, and then come back in and, I don't know, give them candy or something. I don't know. Um, and and so, so anyway, so one of my favorite things, so we get there uh, Friday night and I open the door and it's just like, poof. I'm like, Kobe's gone. He's screaming. I mean, it's kind of dark when we get there. And so there's just like this, we're like in the woods. It's like this pack of like hyenas. We're like, ah, and they're screaming at each other. And I'm trying, Kobe, you want to help me put up the tent? No, no, forget it. I'll do it. You know, he's just running around, running around, running around, going crazy. And then we get up Saturday morning while he gets up at like 5.30. And he's like, Dad, can we, um, Dad, can, can I get up? I was like, I don't know, son. It's still dark out. I don't know if anybody else is up. And turn, come to find out, several other dads were saying the same thing to their sons. We should have gotten together and just let them all get to, 
anyway, and so, so anyway, I'm kind of like holding back the reins on him, you know, okay, okay, six o'clock, you can go out there, so he gets out there, he's running around the whole day, I would see him every once in a while, like, we would have this crazy idea that we should get him together and try to, try to like, get him to say the scout's pledge and all this kind of stuff that he doesn't care about at all. All he wants to do is just run and be crazy. I look down to the hill, and there's Kobe, and he's got all the guys in the wolves den. I mean, pack 11, but wolves den. And, and Kobe is a warrior. I'm telling you, this guy's a warrior. So he's got like three guys with him, and he's, I see him walking up to the uh, Weeblos, and the Weeblos are a little bit older, and Kobe has a stick in one hand. You know what he's trying to do? Take over their fort. I'm like, here we are, Sam Houston State Park. This thing is gigantic. There's lots of trees and lots of wood. But Kobe's leading this group of about three or four kids to take over the Weeble of Fort. And, and I'm like, ah. So I go down there, and I'm like, Kobe, hey, here, here's the deal. I didn't want to tell him, don't, don't do it, right? Because I, oh, I, I had to set some boundaries around him. And so, and so I go down there. I said, Kobe, here's the deal. Um, I just want you to know if one of them punches you. And I kind of, I mean, you're, you're, being aggressive with them, and if, if they go up, and if they, one of them stops you in the nose, and the he's like, can I hit him back? I was like, yeah, I guess, I, mean, I guess so. Um, make sure you can handle it, boy. And anyway, so that, that's kind of my, my thinking. Um, I know I'm not going to get the parent of the year award, but, um, and, it, and so I look at one point, and he's over, and he's, he's over, he's like, he's like getting these boys to, to the, the two different groups. And so here, here's what I think about this morning. Is I think about freedom and, and how it, it relates to being in Christ. Freedom is not me saying, Kobe, go do whatever you want. I don't care. Turning my back and walking away. Like Freedom is he can just go nuts. Freedom is an appropriate amount of room to enjoy what God has created and the opportunity. There are some places where you cannot go. Like, you can't go down into the water because there's alligators down there. You can't go way back in the woods because you might get lost. And if you're by yourself without some sort of map or something, you, you could go, I mean, you could get lost out there and die. But within these boundaries, enjoy it. Run and, and scream and holler and take territory. I mean, that's what I'm thinking to myself, like, take territory. And I'll tell you, I knew that he was, well, let me back up here. If, if, can you imagine if I had said to, if, if we got there and Kobe operated by the same sort of rules that he has in school, he goes out there, he finds a chair, he sits in it. And here's this whole room and I'm going, Kobe, come, come on. I think this is sometimes the, what we don't hear often enough in Christianity is that God is saying, hey, I've created this room for you. Enjoy it. I mean, sure, there's some boundaries, but enjoy being in Christ. You don't have to operate by this old set of rules. I knew that we had accomplished the mission of enjoying the freedom that God had given him when on the way home last night, we had to leave a little early so I could be here this morning, but on the way home, um, we're going to stop and get ice cream. And so we stopped probably 20 minutes into the drive in Conroe to get ice cream, and which for a boy, this is like the pinnacle of a weekend like this. And I let him get whatever he wants, and so we get ice cream, and about five minutes on the road, <laughs> and I look in the back seat, and he's, he's, his ice cream is in this hand, and his, his spoon is like right here, and he's sleeping. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, yes. It's like, oh, Kobe, I'm going to spill your ice cream. Give it to me, you know. And um, 
And I think this is how we must think about freedom in the Christian faith. Let me take it one step further here, because I don't want to imply or leave you thinking that this means that we can that there is no restraint in the Christian faith. You see, there's another kind of living as a Christian that will incarcerate you, and that is when you are enslaved to sin. This is a problem in the Christian church today, that there are people that come every week that are in fact enslaved to sin, Wondering why the songs don't mean anything to them, or wondering why their hearts aren't stirred, or wondering why they can't feel the power of God coursing through their veins during the week. It's because we've got sin in our lives, unrepentant sin, and all of us will struggle with sin at some level till we die. This is why in Colossians chapter 3, Paul tells the Colossian believers, you must put to death the deeds of the flesh. Even as a Christian, you're going to struggle with sin. You're not perfect. And I want you to know, this is a church we just really are open about the fact that, um, that we're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. I struggle with sin. Some of you may be here, and, and you're, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but you're not enjoying, enjoying freedom in Christ. And it's because you're sinning. You're addicted to something. Maybe it's pornography. This is a huge issue in the church, not just among men, but also among women. It's a huge issue in our culture, but even in the church. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Maybe you're addicted to some substance, an alcohol or drug. Maybe you're addicted to something else. I want you to know that that will steal your freedom. I want you to know that it is possible for you to genuinely believe that Jesus paid a price for your sin and to enter into this relationship with God and when you're in this relationship to begin struggling with sin to the point of addiction. I want you to know it's possible. Paul tells the Galatians in chapter 5, verse 13, just a few verses later, he says, You were called to freedom, brothers. It's a term of endearment. But do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So you don't use your freedom to just live however you want. In fact, Paul goes on a little further, and he says, here's how to use your freedom. Serve one another. Serve one another. If you were to uh, join me for a cup of coffee, we were to sit down, and you were to just want me to, as your pastor, to to begin discussing with you where you are spiritually and maybe some areas where you could further enjoy the freedom that, that God gives you in Christ, you might ask, am I free? And I would say to you, are you dependent on anything other than Jesus? If so, then no, you're not free. If you're dependent on anything other than Jesus, then you are not free alcohol or money or something sexual. You're ultimately dependent on anything other than Jesus. Being in Christ doesn't mean you, you should do whatever you want to do. And this is one reason we have such a high value for the Scriptures is because the Scripture plainly lays out this is how we are to live. We're invited into this story of God working in the world putting his glory on display by rescuing some from their sin and giving them freedom. This is the story that we've been invited into. 
And I want you to know that sin will ruin your enjoyment of your part in the story. You say, what do I do? What do I do if I'm addicted to sin? This is a, a really relevant question. What do I do? Well, one of the more important first things you can do is repent of it. Understand that it's an offense to a holy God, and it will suffocate the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It will ruin your marriage. If you're married and you're looking at pornography, it will slowly erode your marriage. Even if your spouse knows and you guys are working on it, you must absolutely must get before God and see the, the grievous nature of your sin. Whatever it is, whatever addiction it might be for you. Repent of it. Turn away from it. And then you must begin a life of repentance if you haven't already begun. It's called having a contrite heart where you regularly are going before the Father of God. I want to honor and serve you, God. I messed up today and I just want to put it before you. That's not a weak position to be in. In fact, that's a place that you ought to be in to enjoy your freedom fully. Another thing that you could do if you're addicted to something as a believer, and you should do, is ask for help. I promise you, you will not tell me anything I haven't already heard. I mean, I've heard some of the most crazy stories about things that people are in, even church leaders. And you say, well, I'm not talking to you, Russell, because you're a man. I promise you, I can help you get connected with a woman that might help you. you, you gotta, you got to get it out there. you got to talk to somebody about it. Some of you need professional counseling. I'm not a professional counselor. Um... But some of you, there are people that are trained and skilled in that. Some of you need a professional counselor. <laughs> this is getting really epic. Um, so if you, need, if you need help and we want to help you, don't let it ruin your freedom. Man, for freedom Christ has set us free. How do we measure success? One part of the way in which we measure success, what if we're accomplishing the mission in the lives of people, is are you experiencing freedom? 